Hey, John Harris here with the Rock Metal Podcast. Join me as we get to go behind the scenes into what goes into producing records and making music as we interview some of our favorite and soon-to-be favorite bands. Today, we're chatting with Chris Number 2 of Anti-Flag. For fans of Pennywise, Authority Zero, No Effects, and Bad Religion, we'll be chatting about Anti-Flag's new album, Lies They Tell Our Children, produced by John London of Good Charlotte, Senses Fail, and Sleeping With Sirens fame. We'll get to hear the story about how all of that came to be, who Anti-Flag has as a mentor, and why having a mentor is so important for them, and so much more. So please stay tuned to the very end. But first, let's check in with our beautiful sponsors. Asher Media Relations, doing public relations for everything loud. For your band needs to be seen and heard in print, online, and radio, head over to ashermediarelations.com. That's ashermediarelations.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and get your band noticed. Syndical Music is a full-service agency for musicians offering record label services, marketing, branding, production, and management. Head over to syndicalmusic.com. That's syndicalmusic.com. S-Y-N-D-I-C-O-L music.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and take your music career to the next level. All right, Chris, number two, go ahead and say hi to all of our beautiful listeners. Yeah, hello. Nice to meet everyone or, or speak with anyone. Um, any opportunity we have to discuss these things that we care so greatly about. Um, and the fact that 2023 is 30 years of the band anti-flag and we still have anyone who gives a fuck enough to chat with us. It means the world. So thanks. Absolutely. And thank you again for coming on. Now the lies they tell our children or lies they tell our children. I'm sorry. 13th studio album. What was the greatest moment for you producing this record? Yeah. Um, Truthfully, so I think that creating the constraints that we did conceptually around the album uh, and achieving that goal has been the most rewarding part of it. Um, we 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 set out from the beginning. You know, look, there was a dark cloud of a global pandemic over all of our heads for quite some time, and um, we decided as a band to not make music <clears throat> during those periods where we were all collectively stuck at home. And, you know, Pat's wife is a doctor and was around a lot of COVID patients um, and around COVID uh, every day. Um, Justin's father is 88 years old. And because we're professional ne'er-do-wells, he was afforded the ability to just stay at home and take care of his dad um, for that period of time. And you know, um, protect him from a disease that or, or a virus that he was very vulnerable to. Um, and so, you know, when we would do things like this, like a phone call every month or a Zoom hangout with each other every month, we discussed or flirted with the idea of like trying to write a song this way or whatever. And um, it was not appealing to us. It wasn't a period of, of, of history that we believed needed to be documented in that way. So we went on the road, uh, as soon as we were allowed to, and we did, um, we did a two months of touring, really got re-inspired, re-energized, came home in, um, December of 2021 and wrote on and recorded until June of 2022. And so to, for a band like Anti-Flag to have six months, seven months to make an album, um, we haven't had that much time since we were kids. Um, and, and partly because you kind of get on like a, 
an endless escalator of the tour demands new music. So you just, you're just pumping it out to stay on the road to, you know, keep food on the table or, you know, whatever. Um, and we learned how to be better stewards of that process, but it was really great to zoom out. So um, getting back to your question, there are a handful of songs that I think really define the concept of the album, define this idea that we are trying to trace the issues that we all face collectively um, to their source and have this, perhaps it's naive, but, but a belief that if we are closer to understanding how we got to where we are, we may be closer to a solution to uh, solve those problems. And then we decided to have eight guests on the record. We decided to uh, drop uh, seven singles. We made eight music videos for an album of 11 songs. All, all of those ideas were kicked around in December 2021, and they came to fruition. And we didn't fail on any of them. So, you know, that is our success story here, is that we set an intention and we delivered on it. Um, it is maybe one of the first lessons we learned as a band. Once we create it, it's no longer ours. And we can't dictate to people how they should feel or whether or not they will like it or enjoy it or interact with it in any type of redeeming way. So we tune that out. That part, now that it's out, it's like it's, 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 it's no longer um, us saying what people should take from it. However, it was really great to know that we could be creative out of our comfort zone, disrupt a organization of anti-flag that has been so, you know, again, 30 fucking years of doing it. Um, and we're still like, here's, here's a new way for anti-flag to present these ideas. It's not just like, okay, well, we make this record with this producer who's made the other 10 anti-flag records and they come out this way. There's the two singles before, like we, we, we broke our mold and, um, that is rewarding to us. Yeah. Stuck at home during the pandemic, six to seven months to write a song, which, yeah, you said you haven't had a chance to work like that since you were kids. I mean, touring musicians just do not have that kind of time. But as you had mentioned also as well, which is super cool. I mean, I love it. Creating constraints, setting goals, meeting those goals, having a success story to tell. And now maybe this next question gets into some of the challenges uh, in creating this record. But I read in the EPK that you have not worked this hard since 2006 for the album For Blood and Empire. So take us back to 2006. What's changed? Yeah. Well, what changed was just obviously the pandemic, you know, reprioritized a lot of things for a lot of people. Um, but it also was about embracing the hurdles that were in front of us. There is a, and whether or not it's supply chain issue or whether or not it is just people don't want to do the job, uh, uh, it takes like 10 months to make a record now, like, like physically produce an LP because the pressing plants are so backed up. So when we saw that, okay, Antifrag is going to finish our album in June. If we turn it in now, you're not going to get it till January. We can just sit on these songs and hold them and go back to the traditional model. We said, no, we're, we're, we're on tour. Um, we want to play these songs. 
So we released the first single three weeks after having a master in hand, um, which is not a thing. <laughs> like, like it just, especially for a band like ours, like, and, and perhaps it wasn't, there's probably a marketing plan that we could have sat with that would have been better, you know, but we didn't care. We, you know, we, this, the, um, it's our 13th full length. Um, and we, we, we've done all of it that way. We, we purposefully wanted to try a different way. And, and what was awesome. And, uh, again, going back to a lot of your listeners being, um, people that play music or in bands, a lot of times you record a song. And then the first time you play it might be a year after you've recorded it. And so you're relearning, you're listening to yourself to relearn what you did. And that wasn't the case here. So like we played the fight of our lives and we played laugh, cry, smile, die on our European tour, summer 2022. And those two singles came out on that tour and we had just finished recording them in May. So they were fresh in our brains. We were great at playing them. They fit right into the set. Like that is wild to us, you know, because usually, like I said, it's like the album's finished and about a year later, it starts to come out. There are only maybe three singles and you're trying to work those three into the set. This way, it, it felt more akin to your first record as a band that you've written and you're just playing shows on the band. The, the, those are the only songs you have. So you're sharing them and then you're like, okay, well, this one works. Like <laughs> this one doesn't, you know? Um, and that perspective has been really, really awesome to have, especially, um, coming out of the the work that it took to make the record. Absolutely. Everybody who resonates with everything that Chris number two just said, go ahead and raise your hand. How has the pandemic reprioritized things for you and, and anybody that you know? And then, you know, other cool things, just embracing the hurdles that have come up as a result of the pandemic, uh, reinventing the marketing plan for your own needs. I mean, summer of 2022, Chris, you have singles coming out at the same time that you're playing them, fitting them right into the set, having that same feeling that you had when you were younger and you know the only music you had to play was the stuff that you were working on. Yeah. And usually having maybe only three singles and then trying to fit them into the set because the first time you're playing the song is a year after having recorded it and then sitting there trying to remember how in the world did I play this song? Yeah, what's that guitar part that like you came up on a whim in the studio and you you know what I mean? Like the chords or the the structure, we beat that into our brains, but in the studio there are a lot of magic moments. <laughs> and and that magic moment isn't learned, you know? It's 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 kind of um uh instinctual. <laughs> magic moments in the studio, baby. More to come, but let's go ahead and check in with our beautiful sponsors. Two Madsen is responsible for producing, mixing, and mastering some of the best metal for over the last 20 years. From Meshuggah to The Haunted to Poison Black, Kemper Profiler packs for guitar players, and Easy Drummer expansion packs for programming drums. Two Madsen can take your production to a level previously unheard. Head over to twomadsen.com. That's twomadsen.com. T-U-E-M-A-D-S-E-N. Click contact. Fill out the info for your next project and let two know that the Rock Metal Podcast sent you. 
Wormhole Death is a modern record label publishing and film production company born in 2008. Getting signed to this label means global distribution, publishing, and marketing with Wormhole Death's roster of global partnerships. Head over to wormholedeath.com. That's wormholedeath.com. Submit your band and let them know the Rock Metal Podcast sent you. All right, Chris, number two. Just to remind you one more time, you've been a band for 30 freaking years. (laughs) How would you define success at this stage of your career? Our success has always been measured in a different way than most. Um, and, and we don't mean this in a negative or a derogatory way towards anybody. Um, obviously, we make a list of goals. And on that list of goals is always sell a million albums. But it's also paint the White House black. And it's, it's, uh, 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 it's sometimes it's as simple as we are putting out a new album. We want to play in a city we've never played before. That, that, that list... We, we tend to make a, a list of goals every year as a band or every album as a band. It, 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 it was a lesson, not to name drop, but it was a lesson learned from Tom Morello. Um, when we, uh, he kind of became our mentor in 1999 when we toured with Rage Against the Machine. But that lesson he gave us was simply, you'll feel as if things are stagnant. If you don't have something to show you a perspective that you are moving forward. And so he said, you know, obviously, if, if everybody's goal is to only sell a million records, every album is a failure. But if you say, I, I wish it sells a million records, but I also want to create some tangible, real successes, then individually we feel like we're moving forward. The great success of Anti-Flag consistently comes at the live show when we meet somebody who says, especially in the United States, I was going to join the military until I found punk rock and I found your band. And now I have decided to devote my life to something else. You know, we don't, we've got a few plaques from some successes that the band has had um, numerically through the year. Those aren't on the wall. The thing that's on the wall in, in Pat's office is the conscientious subjector letter we got from, from the kid who got themselves removed from the military going into the Iraq war in 2003. That's anti-flag success story. Um, we meet people all over who have run for local office, who work for Amnesty International, who work for Greenpeace, who work, um, and, and, and I'm not saying that it's anti-flag who did that, but it's the, the punk community as a whole and the empathy that is the backbone ethos of that. Um, that's what drives people to care about more than just themselves. And, and the, that's where our success is measured, especially because, you know, look, we live in Pittsburgh. We've been able to, um, we own homes here because of the band. Uh, you know, we were on a major record label. We, we've, we've played all the festivals. We've done all those things. And, um, you have to chart your success in different ways when you are, you are privileged with the ability to, uh, say that you have achieved further than you ever thought you would. You know, I, I, I never thought I'd leave Pittsburgh. And so the fact that we've, you know, when we played New York City, I was like, it's over. We're fucking kiss. We did it. Like, what else is there to do? You know, um, and so to. Well, you're still in Pittsburgh. You're sitting there right now, right? Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, uh, I've been on an airplane, you know, the, like, like, like yeah, my yeah. mom took me to my mom's an Italian immigrant. Uh, she came to America when she was 13. 
And we would go to Italy um, when I was a little kid. I, I remember going when I was 10, I believe. Um, that was the only airplane I'd ever been on, uh, was holding her hand, you know? And then this shitty punk band took me <laughs> all around the world. And so that's, um, that's far greater of an opportunity, especially from, you know, Justin and I in particular in the band. We grew up very poor. Uh, I'm the youngest of three kids. He's the youngest of nine. Um, his father is an immigrant from, uh, from Ireland. My, my mother, an immigrant from Italy. Um, we have a lot of similarities that kind of brought us together. And that also, I think, shaped the politics of the band growing up in Pittsburgh, a city that was impoverished, a city that was forgotten by the industry that, that built it up. Um, and we grew up in those decades where there was nothing. Now, it's quite affluent. Um, there's Google offices here and Apple offices here and the University of Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon are tremendously important spaces of ed higher education in the United States. So that's brought a lot of new um, energy and money to the city. But when we grew up, I mean, it, you know, I remember my uncle losing his job at the steel mill because they shut it down in Manaca, Pennsylvania. Um, it, um, that kind of stuff will shape you and that, that blue collar ethic will make you look through, at the world through different pair of lenses. And I think that that's why a lot of the music, um, almost all of the music, aside from maybe Christina Aguilera that's come out of Pittsburgh has a political tinge to it. I mean, even Rusted Root, who are a hippie band, you know, Send Me On My Way was their big song. They were doing benefit shows for parts of the world that we had never heard of, you know, like, like, it, it, like, so, um, Os Rotten, the Bad Jeans, Anti Flag, the punk scene was political in Pittsburgh. Um, and so that's, that's why we are the way we are. Yeah. Not bad for a shitty punk band that took you all over the world. Chris. Yes. Yeah. You know, but you, de you definitely mentioned some great things for everybody listening in. Grabbing a mentor. I mean, obviously, Tom Morello in 1999 would be somebody to listen to. That's for sure. So, yeah. you know, grabbing a mentor in the industry who's steeped in, who can give you some some perspective. Um, and, yeah, so that things don't feel stagnant. Because how many people listening in are saying, yeah, I'd love to be able to own a home off of my six strings or my four strings or my snare drum. Play festivals. That'd be cool. But once you get there, you know, what's what's next? And I think that was a great piece of advice. And... My next question, Chris, is what's the number one thing you want people listening to do? I think the hardest thing to spread in this world is empathy. Often people don't think about others until they're faced with the situation of difficulty. Um, you see it in American politics all the time. The Republican senator doesn't give a damn about gay rights until they find out they have a gay son. Often it is, you know, and I saw it with my own mother. My um my sister who uh, passed away uh, was, was killed in 2007. Um, she had an interracial relationship. Uh, her daughter is half black. My mom, um, you know, wasn't openly racist, but I think had a lot of taught and inherited racism coming from where she came from. And then all of a sudden she had to be the the grandmother of a person who was black and then faced with that had to have a reckoning with her own morality um and now i've seen her stand up to racism in ways that blow me away and i wish i had as much 
passion and fight in her, uh, in myself as she does, you know? And so I, I think that right now we have a crisis of empathy. Um, and so the greatest bit of advice, the, you want to be a revolutionary, uh, in 2023, be kind. I mean, it's a radical, a radical space to be in. The status quo of our cultures is the economy of the United States is predicated on war and setting weaponry around the world. Um, our planet is dying because corporations are choosing profit over people and the planet itself. Everything on our television screen is telling us that we're not good enough and that maybe if we buy this pair of pants, someone's going to fuck us. Or if we, um, you know, uh, that's uh, all I had to do, Chris. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. If you got pimples on your face, you're not good enough, you know, um, whatever it might be. And so consistently we are being beaten down into a place that doesn't allow us to have empathy. So. And partly it's because, you know, a lot of people are working so hard that they don't have time. You know, like, like the, the, the economic constraints of our society are such that if you miss a day's work, some people are behind the eight ball there. And so how are you going to have time and space in your day to care about someone else when you're struggling so much? So I think that, that those of us that are in these places of privilege where we are afforded those opportunities, we need to inject that empathy wherever we can. So, you know, again, it's, it's a, it's an act of resistance to, um, share commonality and find commonality with people right now. Yeah. Spread empathy, baby. There's an empathy crisis here in 2023. And I completely agree, especially after what we saw in the pandemic. Yeah. Did it ever get better? Who knows? Well, I guess we'll stay tuned to find out. But this record is absolutely incredible, Chris. Um, for everybody listening in right now, head over to the rockmetalpodcast.ca and I'll have the eight music videos all right there for you, as well as the show notes for today, as well as three heavy hitters from, I mean, so many amazing things were said today. We'll narrow it down to three, I guess. And we'll call them heavy hitters, three heavy hitters. Um, and otherwise, Chris, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, it was, a, was an absolute honor. And, and um, you're very good at what you do. Congratulations. Go get them. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you it looks like you, you spent time and energy on it. And that, that's good. You know, like anybody who's got a laptop has a podcast right now. So it's nice to do... Um, do ones that that are are done well and and you know have it have an intention uh, and I think that we need more of that in this world. So, kudos, my friend. And that's it for this episode of the Rock Metal Podcast. Stay tuned because next week we're going to be chatting with Mike Seidel of the band Vanaheim. Mike knows the power of building an active fan base for your band, including some new creative ways, such as reaching out to reactors to react to your music videos. What other creative ways are there to build an active fan base for your band? Go ahead and hit subscribe on your podcast player, share it with your friends, and I'll see you next week. 